Sit in Beijing. All right, welcome back, weirdos. This is season two, episode five, Invasion of the Weird. Tonight we're going to go into some pretty serious topics with UFOs, UAPs, and their new designation, cross-dimensional trans-medium threats. There's some pretty serious language coming out of Capitol Hill. It's also a special episode because good old intern Boogeyman Bob has graduated. I'd like y'all to take a moment and recognize and welcome Agent B. Ah, thank you. I can hear the clapping already. Yeah, that uh, that applause is wild. Good job, Bob. So there's people are standing up. That's crazy. There's thunderous clapping in the ether. Some cheeks. <laughs> All right. So, flying saucers, UFOs, UAPs. Where do you guys stand on them? What do you mean? Where do I stand on them? We've already confirmed that they uh, exist. Correct. I'm sure we're about to get into it. Sometimes you know that they're going to be a threat, according to what the government's about to say. Is this a third grade essay? You're trying to get a word count? (laughs) (laughs) You are the bane of my existence. Thanks, uh, G-Man. So I've got some incidences that have some pretty heavy documentation behind them. Some that I feel are the most impressive, most genre-defining, most important when it comes to the flying saucers, UFOs, recently UAPs, and their new designation that Congress has given them. So I'm going to take us all the way back to start World War II. Pilots in the European and Pacific theaters on both the Axis and the Allied sides recorded sightings of these unidentified flying objects, glowing balls of light, following their planes, doing maneuvers that they couldn't do and couldn't explain, called the Foo Fighters. Famously, that's where the band Foo Fighters with Dave Grohl got its name. See, the thing about these was the Axis thought it was an Allied superweapon, and the Allies thought it was an Axis superweapon. Y'all ever hear about the Foo Fighters before, other than the band? I have not. You know, David Grohl is uh, the man. But yes, I've heard about the Foo Fighters. It's part of the first things that we learn in the academy. Yeah, for a guy who just graduated, should have got that one, Agent B. Yeah, B. Listen, I'm fresh out the ranks. I'm not looking to, you know, impress anybody. To be fair, when I graduated, a lot of that knowledge immediately slipped out and came back later. That's fair. Second point in this timeline I want to point out. August 1945, something kind of big happened. The 509th Composite Group, first of its kind in the world, dropped atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. This effectively ended World War II, and this 509th is going to become more important in a second. Fast forward a couple years. On June 24th, 1947, the saucer craze kicks off when Kenneth Arnold, as we discussed in a previous episode, sighted nine thin metallic crescent flying objects moving in formation over Mount Rainier, right? And he described these to the journalists that they moved like saucers skipping on the water. And hence, as we've discussed a few times before on the show, journalists gave it a sensational name and the term flying saucer is coined. Only a few weeks after that, July 7th, 1947, after a rash of UFO sightings, flying saucers across the United States, in the desert around Corona, New Mexico, at the Brazel Ranch, the famous flying saucer crash incident occurs. It's called the Roswell crash because that was the nearest, at the time, Army air base because this incident predates the Air Force being created and is arguably the incident that starts the catalyst of the Air Force being created. Do you know who's stationed at the Army Air Base in Roswell, New Mexico? 
Bob Lazar. Oh, I was going to say The Rock. Uh, Bob Lazar doesn't show up until the 80s, but the 509th Atomic Bomber Squadron, the biggest, most secretive, most important unit of any military anywhere in the world, just so happens to be the base where this flying saucer crash occurs. So it's July 7th. It's the Independence Day leave holiday. It's the day of the year that the base is as skeleton crude as it can be so folks can spend time with their families. The head of Army Intelligence at the Roswell Army Base, Major Jesse Marcel, is the one who is called out to collect the wreckage. Once this is collected, press release goes out. The 509th has recovered one of these flying saucers that has been seen all across the U.S. in the past couple weeks. And that's where it would have stayed until General Ramey in Washington, D.C. got involved. Immediately, the story changes from flying saucer to a weather balloon. So the story gets changed to a weather balloon. Jesse Marcel is forced to take pictures with sticks and tinfoil in front of the lone reporter who was allowed into the room to photograph the quote-unquote wreckage. One of the photos with General Ramey standing in the room just so happens to show the typeface and the lettering written on the memo from Washington, D.C. to him. But at the time, it's completely illegible because of the technology available to us. We haven't been able to read it. This story goes completely dark. It's rediscovered by famous ufologist Stanton Friedman in the 1970s. Fast forward to the 90s, the Clinton administration admits that the Roswell incident was a cover-up, but says, for lack of any better explanation, that instead of this being a weather balloon that crashed in the desert, it was a special weather balloon that crashed in the desert. Project Mogul, is what they called it, was a fancy weather balloon system that was used to basically spy on the Russians and their nuclear activity. And then it was said that the stories of crashed alien bodies were that of high-altitude dummies that they had dropped from the air and landed around the desert. This is So you're telling me that they were just like, hey, instead of us putting actual test subjects out there, we're going to throw a bunch of dummies in there. Space race be damned. We're not using monkeys. We're not using dogs to put people up in there and then hopefully bring them back down. We're just going to get dummies and throw them out the window. This wasn't even space. Allegedly, it wasn't even space related. They're saying there was two different experiments out in the New Mexico desert, one of which they covered up and said was a weather balloon and was really a fancy weather balloon with equipment to detect nukes on it. The other one was a different kind of weather balloon where they put a weather balloon up and then dropped dummies to see what would happen. Allegedly. I'm not saying the Clinton administration were a bunch of smart cookies, but why are we trusting weather balloons with nuclear protection? Well, gee, man, I think the thing that you're forgetting is that back in 1948, gravity had yet to be invented. So <laughs> the government was obviously throwing dummies out of weather balloons and scientifically seeing what would happen to them. Yeah, we'd mastered the atom and flight, but we weren't sure about gravity yet, so we needed to do this experiment. But to answer your question, it's a high-altitude weather balloon that has something on it where it could detect the radiation from the blasts and other stuff from the nuclear blasts, and then we would get it and see what the Russians were doing because we knew they, they were trying to break our nuclear secrets, and it was only a matter of time before they got it, right? But this completely ignores the fact that the 509th was the best of the best of the armed services at the time, entrusted with the highest level of secrecy, the most important weaponry that we had in our entire arsenal, and something that was brand new to the face of the earth. The joke was that if you pushed a broom around the 509th, it's because you pushed the broom the best out of anyone in the armed services, and that's why you were there. So you're telling me that the head of intelligence for this highly important, highly classified, highly skilled, highly trained, the best of the best of the best, could not tell the difference between a flying saucer and a balloon and dummies. Couldn't tell the difference between little green men 
and dummies couldn't tell the difference between an object from outer space and tinfoil and sticks. And that's ignoring the fact that the army requisitioned from the funeral home in Roswell, multiple child-sized coffins. Why are you going to buy child-sized coffins for dummies? And as I mentioned before, the critical error in this is that General Ramey, for one photograph, slightly showed his hand and the type that was on the memo. Because today, with advanced imaging technology and artificial intelligence, there's only so many characters each one of those little smudges can be. And with AI deciphering it, the memo is becoming more and more legible. And one section that is shown to the camera after going through this process, it specifically talks about crash victims, the wreckage, and it all being taken to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. So you're telling me that they went enhance today on these photos, and now we are getting more proof that we've been lied to this whole time. Well, as you're going to see throughout this episode, that's kind of the theme. We either are totally outmatched or we're not letting on everything that we know and have known since 1947. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. And the government in the recent four years, five years, has been giving us little crumbs to be like, yeah, aliens. Yeah, and up next, I've got a lot of things that have happened in the last five to ten years that are really going to bring this all together. Just to go on a little sidebar before I go into the next strange finding of mine, as this has become kind of the UFO mythology, part of the American mythos, allegedly, after going to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, these bodies and equipment, like we've all been told and how we've talked about before in the past, went to Area 51, Groom Lake, Rachel, Nevada, in order to be reverse engineered, studied, tested. Recently, before I get too off topic, because we will glance over Area 51. We've talked about it in previous episodes. I think we uh, promised to do a deep dive at some point. But recently, documentation allegedly has come out according to Richard Doty, who was recently featured on the Fade to Black show with Jimmy Church out of Los Angeles. And Richard Doty, if you don't know, in the UFO field, is a controversial figure because for sure he used to be in charge of the U.S. government's disinformation campaign against people like us, where they would try to feed UFO stories to UFO people and researchers in order to throw them off the scent of real things that were going on. He claims and has had a falling out with a lot, but a rekindling with a lot of folks. He's now on the side of total disclosure. The forces are good, but in documentation that he was able to secure, he got a roster of folks with access to area 51 from 1970 to the 1990s. Of course, our favorite, Bob Lazar, is actually listed within that document. But the one name that blows my mind and is completely insane to me is that the legend himself that we have talked about many times on this show, Art Bell, apparently had access to Area 51 while a radio man in Nevada. So you're telling me that Mr. Coast to Coast himself has even more credibility to the truth that he was putting out there on the airwaves. Yeah, we might have been getting an inside scoop all those years when it just sounded like a crazy guy secretly living in a bunker somewhere in the Mojave Desert. Interesting. Are you going to tell me that in the next 50 years or so, government's going to come out and be like, yeah, by the way, Tom DeLong definitely saw the aliens before anybody else. As we're going to get into and have gotten into before, you know, Tom DeLong's probably seen them aliens. That raid on Area 51 was a huge flop. We all wanted to see them aliens, but nobody had the cajones except for that elderly old, the elderly woman. The real one. The real one who actually rushed the gates. There's been a lot of commotion in the astronomy world. And I'm talking real hard astronomy, not astrology, where we had an interstellar object visit our solar system in 2017 came from deep space. Its exact origin location is unknown. 
but it did some strange stuff while it was here and then left. The official explanation is that it was just a weird asteroid of some type, whereas some astronomers, including Harvard's astronomer Avi Loeb, legitimately believe that this was an extraterrestrial craft or a probe of some kind sent to our solar system to observe and report. So the name of Moa Moa, any ideas what that means? Is that the sequel to Moana? Almost. Super close. It is Hawaiian. Oumuamua is Hawaiian for first scout. Originally, this object was designated Rama, but I guess they figured that was too on the nose because Rama was from a Arthur C. Clarke story. The same Arthur C. Clarke who wrote I, Robot. You know, you might have seen the Will Smith movie. Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is adapted into the movie Blade Runner. He didn't write that one. He didn't write that one? Are you kidding he me? Did. I'm pretty sure that was Philip K. Dick. Am I mixing up Philip K. Dick and Arthur C. Clarke? Uh, Philip K. Dick wrote Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, you know, based on Blade Runner, as we were talking about. He also wrote Man in the High Castle, the show adaptation of the book. I'll take it back. Arthur C. Clarke, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Hell yeah, G-Man out here being a bookworm and things like that. Arthur C. Clarke, a famous science fiction writer who also wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey, which was later made into the Stanley Kubrick film classic of the same name and wrote Childhood's End, which if you are not aware of it, is an insane story and has some insane adaptations. Basically, UFOs show up on Earth, and they tell us that they aren't ready to reveal themselves to us until we are ready to receive them. And after generations of them floating in our sky and helping us and trading with us, they finally reveal themselves, and the aliens in the spaceship look like biblical demons. Spoiler alert. In Rendezvous with Rama, a visitor craft from another galaxy comes into our solar system and we make a rendezvous with it we find that it is a abandoned or more likely that the crew has all disappeared or become deceased alien spaceship that is being automatically piloted through our solar system and they almost named this visiting asteroid or more likely a spacecraft Rama. But I guess they thought that was too much on the nose. Then as we were discussing, Harvard astronomer Avi Loeb and some like-minded colleagues have asserted this object was in fact a probe or an alien spaceship because when it came into our solar system, it changed acceleration, it changed heading, and it did maneuvers that a rock couldn't do. There's been a lot of pushback from the general astronomy community and a 2021 paper written to the effect hypothesized that Omomo was a probe, in fact. But the mainstream just isn't going to take it. I thought Harvard was mainstream enough, but I guess not. And as recently as two weeks ago, it, it, as at the time of this recording, it is September 2022, Loeb and other astronomers have doubled down on this object being an extraterrestrial craft possibly a solar sail system, part of a probe, a full probe, but definitely not a naturally occurring phenomenon. That kind of reminds me of a story I read about a while back. I want to say 33 years ago, the Soviets had an encounter with aliens where they actually spoke to the aliens in the official story and... The majority of the scientific world went, that's bullshit. And a bunch of Soviet scientists defected because of it. Yeah, any more details on that? Yeah, so... aliens say? So, story says that it landed September 27th of 89, outside of a city of, I can't pronounce it because I don't speak Russian, And they arrived in a shiny ball or alternatively a banana shaped object. And they brought a robot for translation. Spetsnaz on the ground were trying to communicate with it. 
said, where are you from? Sorry, and time out. You're telling me it either showed up in a golden banana or a crystal coconut? Correct. Donkey Kong Country, that's my boy. Anyway, Spetsnaz on the ground said, where are you from? Robot came back and said, the red star of the constellation of Libra is our home. Spetsnaz asked if he could be taken to the planet. Robot said, no, that will mean no return for you and danger for us. Spetsnaz asked, what danger? And they only responded with thought bacteria. Thought bacteria? Like there's pathogens within our own consciousness? Correct. Are you telling me that memes are a biological weapon at this point? Memes are the DNA of the soul if we want to have a callback to our Kojima episode. Dude, Kojima is from the future, man. That's what I'm saying. That is absolutely nuts. I have some Soviet interactions in here. Might be a little bit more credible than that story, especially if it caused a bunch of their scientists to defect to the West. I mean, I think that science at the time was going to suggest that it's totally impossible and they weren't going to believe it anyway. I think it's credible. I actually believe I read it in one of the old Time magazines locked up in a, in a dentist's office somewhere. Or was it disinformation to make us look like rubes? Also possible. But speaking of Cold War, this one's going to get pretty Cold War on you. My next story involves these unidentified flying objects, unidentified aerial phenomenon, flying saucers, whatever you want to designate them, messing with and disabling nuclear technology. So as you've seen, it's kind of been a nuclear theme throughout this episode. According to a signed affidavit from a man named Robert Salas, or Salas, apologize if I get the pronunciation wrong, who was a lieutenant at the time at Maelstrom Air Force Base in Montana in 1967, March of 1967, while he was below ground with the Minutemen 3 missiles, the ICBMs, the silos that were pointed at Russia, and Russia had all their silos pointed at us at the same time, Total mad principle, mutually assured destruction. All of the missiles below ground, all 10 of them, went offline. At the same time, they got a call from topside where the airmen were reporting that a large, glowing, red object was hovering above the base. This thing came down, turned off our nuclear capabilities, just to send a message and say that it could. I'm pretty sure that's a scene out of heavy metal. It sounds like it, but here's another case. So there's been a lot of disclosure efforts in the last few years. One notable figure within the field is Lou Elizondo, who used to be the head of the ATIP program within the U.S. government. And this guy has a lot of intelligence credentials, a lot of military credentials. He's been in the system. Now he's out trying to push disclosure. One of the things that came to light with the ATIP program was a case of us doing a missile test and an unidentified flying object flying up to the missile, shooting four lasers or quote-unquote light beams at the missile, all of which is on film, and disabling the warhead within the missile. That's crazy. It's the videos like this that are slowly trickling out that nobody seems to be paying attention to, but we definitely should start paying attention instead of trying to keep up with the Kardashians when Zim Zoom Zeep Blop is going to be here any second with boots on the ground. Unless they're benevolent and just trying to make sure that we uh, don't through, go through the guy in bottleneck and end up a statistic of Fermi's paradox. Okay, that would make sense. I would like to believe it that way. So as we've alluded to, let's get into some of the stuff coming out of Capitol Hill. Last year, we broke the news when it first came out. We did, I think, short number two was the disclosure that the Nimitz slash Tic Tac videos from the U.S. Navy were legitimate videos of craft that were inexplicable from the Navy who didn't want to disclose it, but it was leaked. And then eventually... Two years ago, mid-pandemic, they confirmed that the video was legitimate and real. Do you guys remember much about the Nimitz footage? It's that famous stuff that's been going on everywhere. The that's the one where they were running drills and a object came in, messed with their formations, and then just 
zipped away, right? This is one where it messed with them. They tried to break away and go to a rendezvous point. The thing beat it to them. Yeah. That went one. in and out of the ocean. Nuts. So the video was taken by Commander Dave Fravor and Lieutenant Commander Alex Dietrich. They couldn't engage the object because they only had training rounds at the time. But they were able to get on video uncanny, inexplicable maneuvers, speeds that are inhuman, and a seamless transfer between air and sea. Sadly enough, when this video was taken, when they got back to the ship, they were relentlessly hazed about it from then on out. People would put on movies like Signs and weird alien shit, leave it around for them just to make fun of them. This footage was leaked by none other than Mr. Aliens Exist himself, Tom DeLonge of Blink-182 fame, who currently, with his To the Stars Academy, which is another one of these organizations pushing for disclosure, has a contract with the U.S. Army in order to study these unexplained phenomenon. Is it a red herring? Is it disinformation trying to push him and everyone else off the trail? Maybe, but yet to be seen. But the Navy came out in 2020 and said that all of this was legitimate and that they did not want it released as it was a threat to national security. So from the fallout of this revelation and the Navy going public, the U.S. Congress started having hearings on this in 2021 and required a report go out in the summer of 2021. The UAP, Unidentified Area Phenomenon, task force, UAPTF, was created for this purpose. Unfortunately, the report that came out of this was a little underwhelming. We thought it was going to be the summer of disclosure in 2021. What we got out of it was a nine-page document. I recommend that you two read it if you haven't already. There's one nugget of data within it that is very, very interesting. I mean, I read it in the summer of last year. Yeah, in this nine-page long report, it doesn't take very long, it includes a few labels of explanations for these UAPs. One includes aerial clutter, like balloons or drones or just things in the air. Another one is natural phenomenon. Another category is our technology, adversarial technology. And the fifth and final category is where it gets real interesting, because if it can't fit in any of those and goes into the other category, there's no earthly explanation for it. There are 18 of these unexplained incidents within this report, 11 of which are near misses with our aircraft. We almost had mid-air collisions with things that we cannot earthly explain, and this is in black and white in an official government report. So these hearings have been going on behind the scenes since 2021. It's now 2022. In the last month, September's getting really, really crazy going into October. There's been a new designation for UAPs that deliberately implies, and this is politicians who care nothing more than saving face, deliberately suggests that these objects in the other category and objects that have been discussed with them since this report are of a non-human origin. New designation is transmedium threats, cross-dimensional transmedium threats, things that go seamlessly between the air, the sea, outer space, and any combination in between of the three of those things. Now, is this the first time that they've labeled them as threats? Yeah, this is brand new information. It's within the last month that this has come out, and they're specifically saying that these are threats. It was very Cold War to pay attention to UFOs in case that they were the Soviets or the Chinese, because by definition, those would have been threats to national security. But we know that these things aren't the Russians, they're not the Chinese, they're not us, and we're taking them as a threat. That is some very strong language from some people only out to save their own necks. I have a quote here, transmitting threats to national security are expanding exponentially. This language is used in legislation from last month. Why would they include this extraordinary language in legal documents like legislation if they're not prepared to back it up with data and facts and findings? 
In fact, during the last administration, classified sensor data prompted Trump's director of national intelligence to say that the UFOs, UAPs exhibited, quote, technologies that we do not have and that we are not capable of defending against. That's not what you want to hear from your government. By definition, these transmedium threats exclude anything man-made. And if it's not us, what is it? I mean, nobody's checked on the dolphins in a while, but I would imagine that it's otherworldly. Uh, they're typically just losing football games. Hey, they're 3-0. and <laughs> I was going to make the same joke. That's a good one, G-Man. So, you know from our documentation that we've had near misses with these and have almost lost aircraft to them, correct? So we just reviewed. Yes, and I did read it. It is in the document. Yeah. Declassified British intelligence that has recently come out. Well, the issue was, if it's not the Americans, could it be the Chinese or the the, uh, Russians? Well, apparently they're having the same issues with the same entities as we are. But the Russians, going back to the Soviet days to now, and the Chinese have, quote-unquote, engaged these objects and lost pilots and aircrafts. There have been four Russian pilots killed in engagements, as in attempted dogfights, with these craft in this documentation. So they ain't American, they aren't Russian, and they aren't Chinese. I don't think there's any other superpowers around. They've got to be alien, right? What about the Canadians? What about them? I didn't see any antlers on it, so I think it's safe to say it's not the Canadians. I'm just saying, they're being pretty shady recently. Yeah, it's an upcoming episode this season. They are shade masters. I mean, they've been shady for the past 200 years, but I won't go into that today. So these reports are becoming more and more mainstream. These kinds of things are being talked about in publications like The Hill and The Huffington Post, of all things, on news networks like MSNBC, CNN, Fox News. This is coming out more and more and becoming more mainstream, but nobody seems to care. In fact, the Pentagon, their position on it, on the hush-hush, on the down-low, is that these things must be extraterrestrial, extra-dimensional, or, fascinating enough, it could be ultra-terrestrial. Okay. So we went into Hollow Earth civilizations and Atlantis civilizations in other episodes. What if these alien craft are going between the sea, the sky, and outer space or breakaway civilizations from right here on Earth? But... I guess that's a theory for another day, eh? Was that hinting the Canada with the A? No, it was hitting the Canada with the A. I do, I do have one question. Go for it, Agent B. Now, you mentioned that Russia has said that they have lost pilots, correct? Well, this is according to British intelligence. So through whatever means, whatever spycraft, All right, so with they a have ascertained records and documentation where they feel strongly enough that this is the case that they the russians have lost pilots at least four to these flying saucers all right now if i remember correctly last year the pentagon mentioned that when they acknowledged the existence of these that they thought that not only is it not of this world but that these are coming from different sources that this is not one entity one being one race for all of this that there are likely multiple i'm not sure if you remember that possibly and again we got to take it all with a grain of salt that this could be disinformation or trying to throw us and our adversary us as in the general public and our adversaries off the sense of what we actually have which i'm going to get into right now because say that we have collected these aircraft these spacecraft like what crashed in 1947 right Again, okay. recently, last couple of weeks, Navy has refused to release any more footage in the interest of national security. These videos are much more high quality than what has been released and are not even being shared with the congressmen and senators on these committees for disclosure, even behind closed doors. In fact, one of the people on this, congressional members like Rep. Burchett, Burchett, Rep. B. from Tennessee, is pushing for disclosure and transparency. He's calling what's going on right now a cover-up like the quote-unquote Kennedy files. A quote from the Navy was that 
going into this other footage will harm national security as it may provide adversaries valuable information regarding DOD slash Navy ops, DOD being Department of Defense, vulnerabilities and capabilities. No portions of these videos can be segregated for release, which means either those UFOs are totally obliterating something in the Navy or some of these footage shows technology that the Navy is using and cannot be shared. Well, you know, America, we are uh, fans of dramatic entrance. They're just waiting for the War of the Worlds, and we're going to come in and be like, oh, by the way, we have alien killers. Pa-pow! World War II, part two. Saved everybody. You're welcome. Yeah. That's my theory. Probably. You know, it'd be great if we could get bulked up before Independence Day, but, you know... Will Smith is seeming hostile enough to take out some aliens these days. Big facts. So the representative from Tennessee further went on to say in an interview that this tech is something that we are actively reverse engineering and it comes from somewhere else. He jokingly said, quote, do you believe Roswell was a weather balloon? No, we have a flying saucer. We've had a flying saucer and it might just be that they're back now. Well, I knew a guy back in my civilian days that would rant up and down. He was an old grizzly welder that when he was welding for the Air Force, they sent him down to Nevada and worked on some projects, reverse engineering during our development of our stealth fighters or our stealth bombers. And then everything was very isolated, but he says that he caught a glimpse of something that was definitely flying saucer-like in one of the hangars. I do know a story of a, an Air Force captain who piloted one of the stealth bombers when they were first being tested. Funnily enough, the uh, intelligence agencies had an entire brothel on the payroll that these pilots would frequent in case anything leaked out. They could stop it. And he got thrown out of the military for, in confidence, telling his partner at the ranch establishment of sorts that he was piloting the new F-119 when it was really the F-117 at the time and that the technology came straight from the aliens. That's what I'm saying. Glad we're on the same page. And to bring this even more recent and breaking to the last two days, two days ago, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, but for the NIM aviation section, the same group that under Trump, said that these flying saucers were doing things that we couldn't do, they weren't us, and we can't defend against it. Well, this section from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence updated their logo and put it out officially and put it on their website with, in the corner, a flying saucer right there on the official seal. Today, they retracted it and said that it was an error and a joke. But I think they just ruffled too many feathers and they can't let it get out. So all of this has been coming to a head. It's been a long journey to get here. It seems that we are closer and closer to disclosure every day. Honestly, I thought disclosure was going to come in the last couple of years. I don't know how much longer it's going to take, but it seems like the dam is about to break. How many more straws can this camel take? You know, I'm going to say seven. Seven more straws. <laughs> Sounds good. You know, Agent B, I know this is your first official discussion as a non-intern. What do you think about today's topic? And I know you got something that you'd like to share as far as these flying saucers, unidentified flying objects, unidentified aerial phenomenon, and transmedium threats go. Yeah, absolutely. So while I was doing some digging, I tried to find some local sightings within the last year or two i really wasn't able to find anything conclusive or anywhere near concrete but in my studies i did find a state-by-state map of ufo reported sightings and i found a few things interesting in that one thing that a lot of people i'm sure would believe is that the pacific northwest sees a lot of sightings they actually have the most reported sightings. Washington is the number one reported city. Oregon and Idaho are also in the top 10, with Montana at number nine. You mean states? 
whatever I said. What did I say? Oh, God. There's a city Washington and a state Washington, and you've been to both of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's actually a great transition to my next one. Washington, D.C. is said to have the least amount of reportings. Now, this is based on reportings per 100,000 citizens. But what I found interesting is that our nation's capital has only 22 UFO sightings per 100,000 residents per year. That's crazy because during the 1940s, late 40s, early 50s saucer flap, as we were discussing at the start of the episode, mm-hmm. there's a very, very famous case of a lot of these objects going directly over the Capitol. And I'm sure if you pulled it up, you'd see it in a heartbeat. Yes, the big flap. I I find it interesting that when when our government was doing so much to to cover up things such as Roswell, which was within five years of the incident at DC, that they would let stuff like this maybe slide. We were we were more aware of this, but now that the government seems to be controlling what information goes out, what information doesn't go out in reference to these UFOs. The amount of reportings, at least in Washington, D.C., have gone down significantly. I'm not sure if aliens found that there's nothing interesting or no brain activity in Washington, D.C., or if the allure of Sasquatch is more interesting, so they choose Washington and Oregon. But it seems very interesting that our our nation's capital has gone almost unvisited recently. Just to throw it out there, allegedly... There was a deal made between our government and these aliens in exchange for alien technology and help reverse engineering stuff. It was called Project Serpo. And according to that fellow that we talked about earlier, who was in charge of disinformation for the government to throw us all off track, the Serpo case as we know it does include some disinformation, but includes a lot of fact too. So possibly a part of a deal, if there was a deal made, was that D.C. was now off limits. That's where all of our quote-unquote leaders, even though they're supposed to be representatives, reside. That's very interesting. That's just nuts to me because I always thought that there would be more sightings, yes, in the West, but I thought it was like Southwest, you know, around the Roswell area, Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico. Well, it's West Texas. Since maybe it's just maybe it's just more safe to be outside in the pack northwest than it is in the rest of the west. Uh, there's a lot more cover out there, I suppose. It's less it's more foresty and less deserty. Another thing is the drug use. There is scapegoats, if you know what I mean. You're just seeing things. If you're gonna believe everybody's just seeing things, you're gonna hear it from somebody in Portland, Oregon. Uh, hippies on the devil's lettuce, so that is what it is, ain't it? Exactly. I did want to mention, though, you mentioned that you would imagine that Texas has some of the highest sightings. They are actually right behind Washington, D.C., 23 sightings per year. You know, Texas has a lot of cool paranormal and unexplained phenomenon going on. Maybe the unidentified Amarillo object was an alien dropped off for a second. I don't know. There's also stories of ghost lights, which to me would have qualified as a UFO, but they see it more as a road specter. What do you say, G-Man? I would agree. I would also think that part of my reasoning and belief that there'd be more extraterrestrial activity is everybody knows the stereotype about aliens liking to abduct cows for testing. I didn't even think about that. In the Texas panhandle alone, it generates, I want to say, like $1.8 billion a year in cattle revenue. It's, it's nothing but cattle farms out there. Well, I guess they've disproved another stereotype. I, do not I like suppose. <laughs> I did think Alien loved thick women, but I could be wrong. I think I saw that bumper sticker. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously they would be in Texas. <laughs> well, to be fair, Texas has a lot of aliens that aren't uh, of the extraterrestrial variety. It's a rich culture. So I've got a few more things from very recently, but I've got anything else to touch base on before i get into some speculation about recent encounters i'll probably just interject here and there because i know that a lot of the stuff that we have has either been already declassified or debunked but if you're talking about recent stuff it's all up in the air right now go ahead 
What do you mean stuff that we've talked about that have been declassified or debunked? Well, we're already talking about all these declassified events. However, there are multiple sightings out here that have been still speculated, but mostly debunked, like more Russia encounters. I don't know if you remember that big. It was all over YouTube in like 2011 about like these large pyramid shaped objects over Moscow. Oh, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Somebody, somebody actually saw a sighting in 2021 back in Russia, I believe, as well. But that could have also just been somebody that reversed the footage and said, hey, look what I made. Actually, with the disclosure project that's going on, there's been some very credible people with sightings of pyramid-shaped objects on film, including those partnered with a Mr. George Knapp, the guy who broke the story on Area 51 and Bob Lazar back in the day. I mean, that makes sense. I've seen a couple episodes of Ancient Aliens. People think that that's why we have pyramids all over the world. But that's just a theory. Let's talk about more recent stuff that's more concrete that we know for a fact. It's like, wow, look at this. Right. Recently, the Chinese had received a signal from an extraterrestrial source that they were so certain about. They cleared a 500-kilometer radius and cleared everything out to make sure that there was no possible interference that this signal that they were receiving was coming from an unknown source. Now that's not totally confirmed because again, it's the Chinese, but it's something to be aware of. Hey, aren't they having a coup right now? That's another thing that's alleged. That's within the last few days. So if they're having a coup right now and we're the first podcast to talk about it, that'd be amazing. Allegedly. And again, you got to work off of rumors and information that could be disinformation from foreign sources until they can also be completely possible. vetted. These things need to be completely vetted and found out before they be presented as fact. What we do know is the Chinese cleared out a large area and received some sort of notification, some sort of signal that can be confirmed. What we can't confirm yet is that there's an active military coup in China as we speak. Alleged, and this is coming out of sources in India, this is coming out of sources near China, that General Lee starts with a Q for the rest of the last name, can't pronounce it, has taken over the People's Republic Army in China, and has put Xi under house arrest. All right, well, allegedly, we will be the first podcast to talk about how Winnie the Pooh has a coup being started, and it's nuts. I can't wait for that book now that it's public domain. Winnie the Pooh and the trouble with the coup. <laughs> Maybe you treat Uyghurs with respect. I don't know. They're, yeah. they're people too. I think it's been established fairly thoroughly within this podcast. Commies are bad and concentration camps are certainly bad. Yeah, those are the big ones. Smaller ones are don't ever forgive Jane Fonda. Did you guys ever hear? Commies are bad. Commies are bad. Did you guys ever hear about the sequel to Winnie the Pooh and the Coup? It was Christopher Robbins in the Trees. (laughs) His brother Charlie. Tigger's on the rooftop and he's defending his business. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Tigger is the only one that's not public domain. So, really, it's probably Eeyore up there being a rooftop Korean. Piglet worked too hard to let this burn down. (laughs) Anyways, so it's September 2022, right? Right. Yes. So much of what we've just talked about has been packed into this month. What's also happened this month is recently in the last few weeks, unexplained red lights were seen throughout the Pacific. These are things that are seen through the cloud cover. And I'll put the photo on our Instagram when this episode comes out as part of the photos but the mainstream explanation for this is that they are some sort of red led off of fishing fleets far below that are so powerful they're breaking through the cloud cover but what else is going on right now as we speak is for the first time in this century a massive land war in europe right and over the skies of ukraine specifically in the eastern region where the battlefield is now and over the capital of Kiev, Kiev, as we are trying to remember to pronounce it, flying saucers, UFOs, lights in the sky have been reported heavily. 
And this is at the same time as Russia saying they're just going to go nuclear? Exactly. So the Russians have pulled out of a large swath of the eastern territory that they had condensed, consolidated. The fear was that in the Russian playbook, you would only do this if you were trying not to nuke your own guys. The Russians have threatened to do so and have mobilized their country, drafting somewhere between 300,000 and over a million troops into the war. There are videos right now of fighting age men doing everything to break their legs or do anything else to get out of this war. Speculation is that the Russians tried to use their playbook. They tried to use one of these nuclear weapons to turn the tide. And possibly, like has been reported in some of these cases that we've talked about earlier, the nukes were disabled by whatever benevolent visitor this is and has been dealing with us since we went on their radar after Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It might explain why the massive mobilization, if they can't use a trump card, then maybe got to do it the old-fashioned way with boots on the ground. That's starting to make a lot of sense. I'm not going to say I like it, but I like the thought process that you got here. Well, that's another in-house theory of invasion of the weird. Yeah, let's keep getting more of those. You agents got anything else to add to this week's episode? I'm really just excited for excited for the coming episodes where we start talking about everything that we wanted to circle back on in season one. Oh, that's a long list. It's like but nine things. It is very exciting. That's not even counting the season two things we've already done the same thing for. Yeah, right. But the next episode we are recording is our Halloween special. So if you have any paranormal experiences, if it's with cryptids, if it's with UFOs or aliens, or if it's good old-fashioned ghosts and spirits, go ahead and share them with us. Uh, you can reach out to us on our Instagram account. You can leave us messages and voicemails at anchor.fm slash invasion of the weird. Or you can send us an email at invasionoftheweird at gmail.com. Looking forward to the spooky season, upcoming episodes, and this journey into the weird with my fellow agents. For tonight, for this episode, this is Agent H signing off. Laters, dudes. I'm the G-Man. Agent B is out.